Have you heard about the 2018 study that showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? No? Well, now you have. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual, the company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. I remember staring at my prenatal vitamins and finding all these things I was trying to avoid. High amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and unnecessary ingredients. So, at four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual, because I believe that all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. I'm so proud of our prenatal vitamin. The ingredients are 100% traceable, it's third-party tested for microbes and heavy metals, and recently received the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. You see, we trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. But don't just take my word for it. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash prenatal. Hello and welcome to the Miles to Memories podcast. I'm Sean Coomer, your host, joined as always by Joe Chung from As the Joe Flies and Disney Deciphered. Happy 2024. It is New Year's, so all of the stress of the end of the year is over. You lost all those credits that you didn't redeem, Joe. It's all gone. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to lose sleep tonight. You just missed out. Why you got to put me on blast to start off the new year, Sean? Actually, I did. So, you know, funny you should mention that, Sean. I managed. So I had two Dell credits and one Saks credit to redeem. And, of course, me, a genius, went to New Jersey and only brought one of my three Amex cards. And I didn't have it, like, saved or whatever. And even if I did, I didn't have the CVV memorized. And so I realized – I don't even – so, anyway, Saks wasted. But I'm putting in an order in now for what my wife decided she wanted so I can at least get the first, uh, first half of the year Saks thing done. But for – Amex Dell, like there was something that we, we were buying a gift for uh, my wife's dad and, you know, we wanted to use it, but I only had one of my Amex cards. And so what I did, and because Amex Platinum is so good about this, is I ordered a replacement card. I declared my card lost, ordered a replacement card and had it sent to my parents' house. It was honestly a little easier than I would have preferred it to have been. And they did send me like some texts and like they made me like confirm like this isn't your home address. Are you sure this is where you want it and stuff like that? But that that put, putting all that aside, I managed to get the card, managed to redeem both $200 credits. So I was good on Dell. And bonus, I got one of those cards where I can put all the heavy metal cards in to uh, get them recycled or whatever. So I can put my cards from like other issuers. This, I always do this. I put like, you know, they ask for you to send the one card back and I always send like four or five from like other issuers. You know, I probably had my identity stolen like a million times, but you know, that's how I did my credits. What about you, Sean? I did something similar. I want to talk about a scam. I'll put that off to a second because I want to talk about this. I did get some Dell stuff done. I had most of it already oh, done, but I almost got scammed too, by the way. So we got to talk about my scam too, but you go ahead first. <laughs> Yeah, no, we'll talk about, we'll we'll do a whole section on scams. But yeah, I found some landscaping lights, which are really good, and they're high quality ones. And sometimes with stuff like that, Dell has really insane prices. But I found that their price on these was the same as other sites, so it was kind of a win. And then I picked up a PS5 that I think I'm going to resell. It came and I said to Jasmine, she's like, What is that? And I was like, It's a PS5. You know, we can either keep it or sell it. And she's like, Well, we should keep it. We don't, I'm like, We don't play games. Like, why do we need, we have an Xbox that's been used like, 
I don't know, a handful of times. I it's play a DVD player. Red Dead Redemption. That's a DVD player. Yeah, well, player. I play every like couple months. I pick up and I'm I'm like sixty percent through Red Dead Redemption too, and so like I pick up a few more percent and then I put it back down. So. I don't know about keeping the PS5. I'll probably sell it. The one thing about Dell I was really impressed with was how quickly they shipped. I did my orders, I don't know, right around Christmas, and they shipped out within like 24 hours, which you need. And I talked about that on the show last week. So that was really, uh, really good and, and fun. And uh, I lost a few credits, probably small ones, but you know, no big deal. But yeah, New Year's Eve, as people can hear, my cough is still here. So I'm feeling good, though. So that's, uh, that's all good. But I didn't go anywhere. Were you out and about? Did you do anything uh, in that week before, between Christmas and New Year's? was pretty chill. So we were in New Jersey for like an extended period of time. We realized we hadn't been back for maybe a year and a half. And so my kids like love it there. Their cousins live like 40 minutes away in Hoboken. So they were over like at my parents' house like every single day, almost every single day. Really, it was just a lot of relaxing for the adults and the kids just kind of going nuts all the time you know they opened up all their christmas presents and then went through every single one over the course of the weekend change that we were there my wife and i did go to new york city as we traditionally do on my birthday and you know if you are listener not long time listener but at least six weeks ago listener you know i was asking about hotel reservations recommendations high-end hotel recommendations in new york city i ended up staying at the thompson my wife's first reaction was Ah, uh, this isn't the Park Hyatt. Sean, you know this because we've talked about this a few times, but you know, the past few times we've stayed at the Park Hyatt and that is an amazing property. The Thompson is like one street over. So we were like we could see the Park Hyatt from where we were and it's like it's like when you're when your ex has moved on to better things and you just have to watch them. So that was a little sad to start things off. It's always hard when your spouse is disappointed in your travel hacking skills when you can't get them into the hotel that they want. But I've seen that hotel, the Thompson, before it was the Thompson. It was something else, and then they renovated it into Thompson. Uh, So I know the location. It looked like it was sort of like an older, I don't know, a a whole different feel and vibe than the Park Hyatt New York, which is for more modern, and I don't know. It just felt like a a whole different sort of place. Yeah, so I do got to say that after that initial impression uh you know when my wife left you know we were only there for less than 24 hours and we went to see the rockettes for the first time i'd never seen them that was pretty good we went to sugarfish which is this sushi place which is like i think of it as like omakase but more you know it's it's mostly fish like you don't have to do uni or anything like that so it's like kind of omakase light for those who don't know omakase is like when the chef you just get like one sushi dish at a time for at sugarfish it's like multiple um really nice thing about sugarfish is gratuity is all included so you don't have to worry about anything like they don't let you tip very japanese of them so that's nice but uh, yeah the rock rockets were really cool and by the time we left my wife was like you know what it wasn't the park hyatt but the thompson was pretty good and i should say that i'm a globalist and at check-in they were like they apologized like profusely because they were fully booked up and they didn't have a suite upgrade and stuff like that. And so um, that was all totally fine. So and it ended up being, being pretty good. And uh, I mean, location-wise, it's the same as what we're used to. So that was uh, good as well. So it ended up being pretty nice. Well, still not the Park Hyatt, but definitely worth the Cat 1 to 7 cert that we used. I think it's a Category 6 hotel. It would have been $600 rack rate to pay for cash. So that worked well. Yeah, it sounds like a solid use of a cert. Speaking of the Rockettes, they were on the Vegas Sphere yesterday for the countdowns for, I think they did a countdown for the New York New Year's Eve, and they had the Rockettes on the side of the Sphere, which was sort of interesting. I was watching like the Vegas New Year's Eve show last night, 
at midnight. And in Vegas, they do nine hotels this year. Sometimes it's seven, six, seven, but they do fireworks kind of all across the city and they spread it out. It's a great fireworks show. I think 400,000 people came to Las Vegas. Really cool. I had actually planned, and I talked about this on our Vegas show, Joe, that I want to do the strip on New Year's one more time before I'm too old, which is getting, you know, getting here pretty quickly before I have absolutely no desire to do it. So I had considered doing it this year, but with the illness, maybe next year. But anyway, so we were watching the Vegas stuff, and then I flip over to the NBC feed where they have the international fireworks show, and you see, of course, Sydney, and you see Bangkok and others, and then the Hong Kong one comes on. And I had seen over the years, I think, clips of the Hong Kong New Year's Eve fireworks show. And I know Shanghai, I believe, is like the biggest one in the world, right on the boond. But the Hong Kong show, wow, in Victoria Harbor, that just immediately went to my bucket list, Joe. I was like, I can't believe I've never been there for New Year's Eve fireworks because that show, it must have gone on for like 20 plus minutes. And it takes up the entirety of Victoria Harbor. It's like the entire skyline. You know, you go see that light show that they do every night. It takes up that entire skyline. Well, the fireworks are that wide as far as how many barges they had out in Victoria Harbor. Insane. So I think I have to go do that. Yeah, I you know, I can't remember if this was for I mean, because obviously I was like 11 years old at the time. So I can't remember if this is for New Year's or Chinese New Year's. By the way, actually, it'll probably be easier for you to get in for Gregorian New Year than it would be for Chinese or Lunar New Year. I can't remember which one it was. But I like I now know that my grandfather knew that you know his cancer was terminal. Like we had moved there. I think I've, I think I've said this before. But the reason we moved there is because my grandfather got cancer. I think that when we he did this, he knew that like this was towards the end. So he rented. Obviously, I was eleven, so I have no idea which hotel it was. But he rented one of those hotel rooms with the window like facing the fireworks, because obviously, like in his condition, he couldn't like go out there and like rough it with all the people. And so we watched a New Year's fireworks from a hotel room. Like it was our whole extended family, you know, four families plus my grandparents. Um, and that was, you know, in fact, I, I hadn't even thought about that memory until you had brought up Hong Kong, but. You know, Sean, if you're gonna if you're gonna put it on your bucket list, that's not that's not a bad way to do it. I know that you know. I I was I follow someone on Twitter who said that they got like a they did not get as a globalist they didn't get any sort of upgrades at the Park Hyatt Sydney for having like a Harbor View or anything like that for the fireworks. So you'd have to like pr- probably pay to ensure that you have that window. But it was really nice watching from uh, inside the hotel and just watching the fireworks. Throw the TV on so you can hear the music, all that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, it's an incredible show. There's different shows all over the world. I remember I've done Melbourne, Australia for New Year's. They do a huge one, too. Not quite as big as Sydney. But there's some incredible shows. And I just watching Paris yesterday, the Arc de Triomphe. There's so many really cool shows. London on the Thames. I don't know. I feel like traveling for New Year's Eve could be a could be a fun thing. And, it, you know, as much as I love Las Vegas, I don't think our show really measures up to any of those. You know, being on the Thames in London or Victoria Harbor in Hong Kong or over the Sydney Opera House in Sydney, any of those things. So I, I don't know. I got all juiced up for 2024 international stuff by watching all the international shows last night. They want everyone in the casino, Sean. That's why, you know, they got to put on a show, but they can't put on the best show. Otherwise, people are going to, you know, leave the slots. Now, as far as whether it'd be better to go for Gregorian New Year or Chinese New Year, I learned my lesson. I was in Hong Kong and Macau once at the very beginning of Golden Week, which is not the Chinese New Year, but it's the other big travel week. They have basically two big, as far as I understand it, holiday weeks in China. 
And I learned my lesson there. Avoid China, Hong Kong, Macau, anything, probably all of Asia is a good idea during those weeks where everybody's traveling and, you know, it's just a mass of people. Being in Macau during Golden Week, I've never seen that many people anywhere. It was just pure insanity. A cultural experience for sure, but pure insanity and probably not for most travelers. So maybe regular New Year's people don't care about as much. It looked like there was a lot of people there, though. Yeah, there's always sure there's a lot of people, people but yeah, yeah, it's true. There's always a ton of people. Yeah, Japan has a, I don't know if they call it Golden Week, but I can't remember. But there's there's like a week in July that you're supposed to avoid traveling as well if you don't want huge crowds. Speaking of which, Sean, your fifth happiest place on earth, Walt Disney World, it was like five, six hour waits for a flight of passage and some of the more popular rides this holiday season. I thought, I really, I really thought that like last Christmas was pretty light all things considered, crowd-wise, I thought that it was going to repeat again this Christmas, especially because demand is down. No, it was, it's been nuts. Um, so, you know, don't go to Asia during Golden Week. Don't go to Walt Disney World during Christmas if you can avoid it. Yeah, just hop on a plane and go to Paris. It's prettier. Uh, you got the snow maybe on the castle. You know, that's what everybody wants. Hop over to Japan. I, the, the problem is everywhere is cold, right? So Florida's probably the, the nicest weather-wise of all the Disney parks in the world. And by the way, it is the sixth happiest place on earth, Joe, because we have Paris. That's right. We have Anaheim, right. Hong Kong, Japan, Tokyo, and Shanghai. You know, not to insult the people who love Orlando, but I would probably go to any of those places before I go to Disney World as much as I end up at Disney World. So, But I'm debating on doing my annual passes. This isn't really a Disney show but I talked to Joe about this. I, I have to decide whether I'm going to renew my annual passes for Disney World. I have a good deal on them if I renew, but also I don't know how often we're getting down there because it's like a big trade-off and we're doing all the Disney parks this coming summer. I should talk about that because I've been looking to fly to Asia, right? So I did that Starlux deal. Remember when Starlux came out with Alaska and you could book them, I think, for 60,000 Alaska miles. So I booked that and I have a return date. Now it sucks because the date that I chose, and that's mostly because of availability, would give us like 18 days in Asia. And so I've been desperately trying to find us good flights to get to Asia because we have to do, uh, we're doing Shanghai, Beijing, uh, Hong Kong, Macau, Japan. We're doing all the Disneys and Universal Parks and all those places. And the problem is that the new part of Disney Sea, Fantasy Springs, they're opening three basically new lands, five new rides all at once. That doesn't open until the end of our trip. So we would have to do it the reverse order. And then I'm really struggling to find a ward availability. So I think we're going to have to fly coach over there with some sort of a weird redemption. But I'll get us there and figure it out. At least we have Starlux coming back, although then we have to get to Taipei as well. But it should be a really crazy summer trip with all the Disneys and Universals. We're just adding that, you know, doing all the Disney's wasn't enough, Joe. So we got to do the universals because if people don't know in universal Beijing, they have a tire, they have a Tyrannosaurus Rex that chases you. And I need to experience that in my life. I did not know that. That's, that's awesome. And, you know, just for, uh, as we close out theme park corner, I just, just a reminder that, you know, in Beijing, you can do both, but in Japan, you do need to take a three hour train ride to Osaka if you want to do both Universal and Disney. So, you know, just make sure you bear that in mind. But that, that sounds like a lot of fun. We survived, or I survived, just me, survived regular coach to New Zealand. Uh, so, you know, like we talked about when I was booking that trip, we, you can survive anything going anywhere. Although you never know, like I just saw 
So we're going to Taiwan, hopefully, in the next couple months. And that was from Eva Air just like randomly opening up all this award space. And since since you guys are like hopping all over around Asia anyway, you just need one window to open for like two to three days of award space to like pretty much anywhere in Asia. And you can at least get your long haul on a business class if you need to. So that's the nice thing. You know, you, sh- you shouldn't be hoarding miles and points like I do. But if you do, the nice thing is when stuff opens up, you're able to use them. And, you know, I'm not hoarding them anymore because I blew like, man, that was hundreds and hundreds of thousands of points for that Taiwan trip. So, yeah. Yeah. And I have some alerts set. So I, it'll, I mean, I've been doing this long enough, Joe, it'll work out one way or the other. I've flown to Asian economy before, uh, especially if you get one way, like I know I'll be coming back in business, then I don't know. It feels a little bit nicer. I would do it both ways in economy. I've always said um, it's you know about the destination more than the journey, as much as it's nice to lie flat and use your miles and points for all that. If I don't have a choice, I'm still going to go. I'm still going to fly coach. I'm still going to get there. And yeah, you do have to travel. Universal is in Osaka in Japan. Obviously, Disney's in Tokyo. In China, it would be in Shanghai and Beijing. So you have the overnight high-speed train or... Oh, yeah. I screwed that up. Sorry. (laughs) You should have corrected me then. But yeah, you can take the high-speed train between the two, making it super simple. And it's going to be just a lot of parks for us. Not a lot. I mean, we were in Asia this year. We're there a lot. We did a lot of culture this year in Japan and elsewhere. So it'll be mostly amusement parks, which I think might be blasphemous for some people, but that's what we like. So why not do it? You know, why not go there and, and do that? And then also Ellie getting the great wall and some other cultural stuff, you know, forbidden city, all of that good Beijing stuff. Cause we haven't been there in a while. So, uh, you know, might as well get there while the getting is good. Yeah. That sounds pretty awesome. So I'm uh, looking forward to hearing about that. So scams, I wanted to talk about this cause I was reading about these scams and I've made a new rule in our house. Now, if we receive an incoming call for anything, we are not conducting business at all. And that's because uh, what's happening now is scammers are able to spoof phone numbers. And so much of our data has been leaked. You know, you talk about all these leaks and yeah, they get your social security number, your address, but they also get your account information a lot of times, or at least partial amounts. So they can put together enough to call you and basically pretend to be a bank or be whatever financial institution and kind of trick you into sending them codes and other things. But the crazy thing is you can Google the number they call from, they'll spoof it so that it's a real number from the bank or institution. Even the number they'll text you for codes and stuff will come from that. So basically, if you receive an incoming call, I think the best thing to do, and what I will be doing going forward, will be conducting no business on that call and saying, oh, you're from Bank of America? Okay, I'll call back Bank of America directly. I don't think there's really any other way around this. There's just no way to trust any incoming call you get anymore because scammers are spoofing everything and a lot of your data is out there. So they're going to have a lot of information about you when they call, which is kind of scary. It's funny you should mention that. Like, so I almost, I think Dave from Miles Talk retweeted someone who like, I think they actually fell for a scam. And so I wrote back that I had, I almost got scammed right before and, you know, smart timing on their part to call too. It was like as I was packing to leave for New Jersey. So that's like when you're most vulnerable, right? Because you are, your mind's on something else and you're stressed out about other things. So Sean, like I got this number and you know what? Good call. You know, so the problem is like I I pick up phone calls because sometimes like clients call and I haven't saved their number and I don't want to, but, but you're right. Like they would leave a message if it was a client or whatever. So this number called, I picked it up and they were like, hi, um, this is, you know, so-and-so from 
Bank of America, this branch, you know, did you open up a account the other day? And I went online, like as I'm on the phone, you know, I sat down on my computer, typed in the exact number and it is exactly like, you know, actually, Sean, I took my second phone and while this lady was talking, I called the number that she was calling from and it was, you know, it was, it was the Bank of America branch in like downtown Boston or whatever. So it was like their actual number. So I like this. I did not know that you could spoof real numbers, right? So th- this is like, I almost learned the hard way. Anyway, she was like, they opened up an account in your name and then they tried to do two Zelle in- transactions for up to like almost $4,000. Like, was that you? And then I was like, no. And so actually, Sean, wh- how do you think the rest of the scam goes? Any guesses? I think they're going to have to try to re-verify your account or something. So, I mean, because basically the idea is they need to get your two-factor authentication codes to get into your account to change your password to then be able to transfer your money out or do what they want to do. So that would be my guess is they're going to try to get your codes somehow. Yeah, it's a pretty good guess. It was essentially that, but they were not going for the home run. They were just going for a single. So what they were trying to do is get me to authorize Zelle transactions like basically, so they were like, oh, we need to, and this is where like, again, like if I wasn't so tired, I would have probably picked up on it immediately, but they're like, the Zelle transactions were initiated in your name. And so, you know, you just, you just got to reverse them or you not, they didn't even say reverse. Cause that would have like, um, given me a red flag. They're like, we, you just got to warn Zelle not to do the transactions or cancel the tra- transactions so that they don't take money from your bank because your Zelle is connected to your bank or whatever. And so they gave me this Zell fraud number. They gave me this case number or whatever. And they're like, oh, we can like put you through to Zell fraud right now, which again, should have been another red flag. And so they put me through to this other number. And then this guy told me to log into Zell on Bank of America. And this is where like I started getting suspicious. And then he was like, he was like, do you see that it says, I can't remember what he said, but he said, do you see this? And I did not see that. Oh no, I did see that. And I was like, oh, no, I don't see it. And he's like, he, he, he's like, you sure you don't see it telling you to like put in this or that? And I was like, no, no, I don't see it. I'm looking. And so like he kept trying to do that. And he's like, okay, let's try this. And then he tried to like get me to like put in like at this point, I knew I was being scammed and I just wanted to like see what was going to happen. So I think they wanted me to put in like authorization codes or something to like link my Zelle account to theirs. And then when I said that I didn't see whatever he was trying to get me to do, they were trying to get me to like put in a new Zelle, like basically request money from a Zelle user or something like that to like take at least the $4,000. So um, thankfully I figured it out in the end, but I think you're totally right, Sean. Like should just not pick up the phone. Like let people leave messages or, you know, most people these days, if they call, (laughs) you know, Sean, it's only my older clients that will actually leave voicemails. Like other clients who are of our generation below, the majority of them, they, if they don't leave a voicemail, they'll just text or I'll just text them. It'll be fine. So anyway, lesson learned, you know, people can spoof real number. And it was, I'm glad I learned that before I lost, you know, 4,000 or more dollars. The other thing, as we kind of broaden our horizons to this, and it might have been Dave's tweet, just to shout out. I don't remember what tweet I saw. It might have been his tweet I saw about that other scam, when the one I was mentioning. So it might be the same the same thing uh, from Miles Talk. So shout out to him uh, on that. Just want to give him credit uh, if that's what it was. But uh, is that AI is coming, right? And the ability to spoof voices. And we talked about how my dad was almost scammed last year with a call from my quote unquote son uh, that he was in an accident and you know they needed money for this. 
And, you know, they had a, a somebody on the phone and he almost sounded like my son or, you know, tried to sound vague enough. But, you know, there are already scammers using AI voice synthesizing, which you and I both know is not all that difficult to do anymore, especially with people whose voices are out there in the ether. And so, yeah, I told Jasmine, I was like, even if you receive a call from me and it's suspicious, do not, you know, just hang up and call me back. It's okay, because you could theoretically receive a call from me or from anybody. And there, some of these new AI uh, voice synthesizers, they don't, they only need like a few seconds worth of data to create something that's pretty good. And then the more data you have, I mean, you know, we both worked with artificial versions of our voices in different capacities. I've been impressed in some ways. It's not always perfect, but it's probably enough to pull off on a phone call. And yeah, I mean, I think these scams are just going to get worse and worse and worse the more I look into it. Another side note on the scam things, there's a whole subgenre of like YouTube shorts, TikToks of people that mess with scammers. So they'll get on these scam calls or they track them down to their call centers and where they're at and, you know, try to piss them off. And those can be fun to watch, too. If you're ever angry at scammers, look for those videos. Make you feel good. I should check that out. Oh, I should say that, like, I was like, um, I can't remember how I got off the phone with him. I, oh, actually, it was true. Like, I had to, like, we were we were going somewhere. So I was like, oh, I got to go. I'll call you back. Oh, and the other dumb thing is the Zell quote unquote scam person or the Zell quote unquote fraud person. Like I was like, oh, I got to go. I'll call you back. This is the number that Bank of America gave me to call for Zell fraud. And I was like, is that the correct number? And Zell's like, oh, no, it's this Zell quote unquote is like, it's this. So I was like, okay, so you guys like. I, I honestly thought they were like sitting next to each other in a room, so I'm not sure how they mix that up or whatever. But anyway, after I hung up with Zell fraud, end quote, Bank of America called me from a different Bank of America branch spoofed. So they spoofed like another branch in the area and like they called me three times and I didn't pick up this time and they they kept calling like I was like, oh my gosh, are they gonna like call me all night? But uh, they called me like three or four times and then they gave up. But yeah. If any of you ever receive a call for Sean or myself, um, there's way too much data on our voices to have it spoofed. In fact, you can't even know whether you're, this could be AI Sean and Joe talking to you right now. Like you would not know. Yeah, that's, uh, that's true. I'm, I'm sure Joe, so Joe uses the software to edit. I use the software too, sometimes for the Vegas stuff and, and my other editing, but Joe uses this software, which has the ability to do AI versions of our voices. If you need to fix a word here or there. So I don't know how how you use that on the podcast. How often have you used that putting our AI voices in? I haven't yet. Honestly, I'm like I'm like I'm like scared to click the button to like generate the AI voice. Although I know that they they already have all the information, right? Because like all our stuff's uploaded on the cloud. So if someone wanted to just take our voices and do it anyway, like I'm really curious. I don't know. Maybe like one of these days, I'll just insert like an entire paragraph of us talking like with AI voices to see if anybody notices and then we'll you know bring it up later so yeah it, it's, it's but it's just it's just really crazy and i but i have been really tempted to use it because you know sean you and i we make a lot of mistakes thank you for everyone who writes in and points them out mtmpodcasts at gmail.com if you want to point out our mistakes or you can find us online and i'm always tempted to be like oh what if i just changed this word or like i just said Beijing and Shanghai. I could just edit that entire sentence and have the AI say it correctly, you know, but I'm not there yet. I, 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 I'm not ready. I'm not ready, Sean. I did actually use it last week on the episode with PDX Deals Guy for one word. 
because it got messed up it got messed up in the recording or it just wasn't quite right so it said repair the word and it repaired the word and then all of a sudden I was saying it right and it sounded good and I was like okay because I've trained it on my voice so uh, yeah there you go there's the future but yeah once the money goes to Zell just so you know it's almost impossible to get it back I didn't really talk about it much on the show but my Amazon seller account was hacked last year I lost $8,000 it was a you know it made me sick I mean, it makes it would make anybody sick to lose $8,000. And I think I know how that happened. But basically, you have to be proactive. I'm really concerned with my dad, you know, with elderly family members. But this is just getting more and more sophisticated. And these, these spoofing abilities are only getting better. And just be on guard. You get a call from anybody, be on guard. It sucks that that's the world we live in. But it's, I think, a good reminder because it can be costly. And people think, you know, with credit card fraud, right, somebody steals your number, the banks back you up on that. Once that money is gone out of your account, it's almost impossible to get it back. I've seen, you know, hundreds and hundreds of cases that I've read about where nobody gets their money back. Zelle does not get you your money back. Once the money's there, it's pretty much untraceable and it's just gone. And that was the case with me. And it's just, yeah, it's a sad thing. So let's talk about something a little happier, Joe, and that's the ability to move Amex offers. I think Frequent Miler is the one who broke this story, so give credit to them. But apparently now, American Express will allow you to move a targeted offer from one card to another. And you might want to do that because, you know, a card might have a better bonus category. You know, there's been times where I've been targeted, for example, with a Dell 10% on a non-business platinum card where I would like to have it on a business platinum card to combine with my credit. Um, Grocery would be another one. Just depending on the store, there's a lot of reasons you would want to do this. Now, normally when you load an Amex offer from one card, it disappears on all your other cards. So even if you were targeted across a lot of cards, uh, you might only have it on the one card and you might have screwed up. You might load it to the wrong card and now you need to move it. There are, we've talked about card pointers and max rewards, <laughs> Joe, it's where you can load these things and get them across multiple cards. But anyway, if you have it on the wrong card and you want to move it, apparently if you go to American Express chat and ask them to do it, a lot of people have had success lately and they, they will move it to a different card so you can take advantage of it. I think this is really nice and I don't think it's an officially published thing, but hopefully Amex keeps doing this. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. I mean, yes, Max rewards or card offers can activate all offers you have on all cards, but it's not always on every card. So if you can move it to the one that it's more advantageous on, let's say that there was a Dell offer that I should have checked. Ah, I should have checked. I should have checked. I'm just thinking of this right now. This is what happens when you leave your credits for last minute. I got to do my credits right now. I got to I got to pull a mark, do my credits right now um, before I forget. But yeah, if there was a Dell offer, then and but it wasn't on my business platinums, you know, then I wasn't wouldn't have been able to use it. But if I can move it to from, you know, my Amex Gold to my business platinum, then that would be great. So I think this is an awesome feature and looking forward to trying it. And so, you know, and 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 it's always really nice when you can do it via chat and don't have to talk to a human. If you're even talking to a human when you call, <laughs> as we said. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean it's it's good that they're doing this and it makes the program more rewarding and There are many times where I'm only targeted on one card and it's not the ideal card. Obviously, I still use them. I don't like worry too much about it. But if I could transfer to a different card and double dip, make things better, that's always good. So I'm glad to see that. Alaska has decided that they're going to charge more for check bags. Now, the reason I think this is important is because in the past, when one airline has finally sort of popped the cork on raising bag fees, it seems like all the other airlines rush to do the same thing. 
And this time, Alaska is sort of the first out of the gate when they're raising their check bag fees from $30 to $35, with their second bags going from $40 to $45. And that's going to take place, I think, January 2nd. So it's already in effect. And I expect that we'll probably see all of the other airlines move to it. I haven't paid for a check bag in I don't know how long. I wonder how many people in this hobby pay for check bags. Because, you know, I think between credit cards and status, there really is no reason to ever pay for a check bag. I think most people I talk to in the hobby are carry-on only, team carry-on, especially for most trips. That's certainly me. I There isn't a trip. Well, I mean, we've had an occasional trip where I have like equipment, like for an event or something where I have to check a bag. But as far as my normal travels, I'm never checking a bag. But I guess this is more reason, you know, not to do it. But I expect we'll see every airline raise their prices now in the next few months. I haven't paid it for a check bag for a while. There was that one like short phase in life where, you know, we had a toddler and an infant that for that like short year or so, we checked a bag a couple times. I don't know if we ever ended up paying for one because normally we don't need to check a bag. Like we only really feel like we need to check it back if we're doing something international. But uh, this summer, you know, we went all the way to New Zealand. It was winter there. We didn't need our heaviest winter jackets, but, you know, it was winter there, and we got there without checking a bag. Now that every kid can carry their own suitcase, or, you know, the the six-year-old probably can't carry her own the whole way, but we, we have two hands, and we don't have a stroller anymore either. So I feel like Team Carry On is the way to go. One question, again... Miles to Memories podcast, Joe polls the audience. One thing that I have been thinking about is I need to travel again with a suit in a few weeks to my Travelmation retreat in January, this time because I have to present an award. And I try to bring a garment bag and get it hung up, but you know, I'm always like, uh, do I need a bigger suitcase? You know, this time I might need to bring also a second, not, not, nice outfit but like decent outfit and so i'm like i'm like oh what what are the options when you're like traveling like what are people who dress well and wear business like attire like what do they do uh, to avoid checking a bag and so you know because i might fly i flew delta first class down last year so that was easy enough to hang out my suit jacket and i didn't really care about hanging up on the way home but i might fly JetBlue down and you know are they going to even have a closet for me to hang something up do i need to like fold it on top of my suitcase inside the overhead so Peoples, uh, those of you who travel with suits and garment bags, if you have options uh, to make travel easy, please let us know at Miles to Memories on Twitter or you call it X, Sean, I refuse, um, at mtmpodcast at gmail.com or you know, hit us up on Slack if you're one of the patrons. I petitioned Travelmation to change their rules that you can't win the award again. And they said no, because you should just win agent of the year every year, I think. That would, <laughs> I that appreciate would the support. I appreciate the support, Sean. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, I know. I, I, don't, I don't even know. Like, I'm like, oh, I don't even want to dress up. But now I got to present this award. But it's okay. There will be a deserving agent winning it this year. So I'll be happy to present it to them. Now, do you have to dress up every year for this thing? Is it, Or is it only when you're presenting or receiving an award that you feel like you have to put the suit on and do that whole thing? If you were just attending I as mean, a normal person. Yeah, so they're like opening night event is like, it's like, I mean, it's like an award show slash party. And so everyone dresses up. I would say that if I was not presenting, I would probably wear, I would not wear what I wear every day, which is sweatpants. But, you know, I would probably put on some nice pants, a nicer shirt, maybe put on a tie, depending on, but I probably would not wear a suit if I didn't have to get up on stage. So 
you know, it is because I'm presenting that I'm definitely going to wear a suit. Plus, I bought this suit for this thing last year, and so I, I got to wear it a few times a year. I wear it. So every every year I wear the suit three times. Once for the Travelmation Retreat, once for graduation, and once for my school science fair. So, you know, getting getting use out of this suit. I would be ashamed to admit the last time I wore a suit, so I won't. So, you know, I think three times is pretty impressive. Impressive. There. You're lucky, man. You're lucky. <laughs> Let me tell you, I hate it. I hate it. Or I'm unsophisticated. I don't know. But uh, yeah, I, I do wear one once in a while, but not not very often at all because I don't win any travel agent awards like you. Joe, I did want to say one last thing that I came up this week, and it's the stupidest thing, but being in bed so much with this whatever crap that I caught, uh, I caught up on a lot of Apple TV stuff, and I had been paying for it for a long time, and people know Apple TV just went up to like 10 bucks a month, Apple TV Plus, which is a lot, but they have a lot of good shows there, so I had canceled it, and then I wasn't eligible for any of the free trials they have because I was a previous customer. And, you know, with Apple, you can create, you know, new IDs, I guess, but it's a little, it's more tied to your Apple ID. So a little bit more difficult, I guess, creating new accounts compared to other streaming services. So anyway, I Googled free trial and I found on bestbuy.com a $0 like skew for a three month free trial for Apple TV plus. So I checked out, you know, I bought it. It was $0, got it. And even though the other trials wouldn't work, this thing worked on an account that I had just canceled and I got three free months of Apple TV plus. So I don't know. It's a stupid little tip, but I'll put it in the the link in the description. If people want three free months, even if you've had it before you're had trials before your previous customer, this worked for me. And uh, I caught up on a lot of cool shows too on Apple TV. Wait, so you had to buy it with something like you had to buy something with it, right? Like, it's not like you can just, I buy think that's the point is that it's not anything. Yeah, I think it's, that's the point is it's supposed to come with something, but you can just buy it by itself for $0 and then it, they send you a code and then it worked perfectly. Amazing. Amazing. I love that. Going back to, you know, housekeeping from last year, we talked about the last episode I was on or the one before that we talked about Flighty and how it was iPhone only. Well, we got a lot of feedback in the Patreon Slack about TripIt Pro which both you and I had said we had not really used. Um, but a lot of people say that TripIt Pro is, they they swear by it just the same way that you swear by Flighty. So I'm thinking about trying it out again. I mean, I have TripIt. Like one thing that I stopped using TripIt for was, you know, because we are always booking and canceling so many flights and TripIt would always automatically add it. And it just got too confusing and overwhelming. And I hated going back in to delete and stuff like that. So everyone's advice on Slack was don't have TripIt automatically add your itineraries just for the itineraries, you know, for sure you're going to take to TripIt. And then they said that, you know, it's been very accurate. In fact, one person shared a story about how TripIt sent them an alert that the flight was delayed. Um, They did not trust TripIt and they went to the gate, which I probably would do anyway, um, because nothing was showing on the board. They went to the gate and the flight agent said, oh no, it's not delayed. But then like, you know, 10 minutes later, it was delayed. So TripIt knew even before the flight attendants knew. So anyway, if you have an Android like me and you don't want to use Flighty, TripIt Pro heard a lot of good things about that. So that's another thing that um, I want to try this year. And in fact, I have a couple flights coming up this month. So I will try it out then. Yeah, tech has really gotten better when it comes to traveling. It's pretty amazing how 
Even the airline apps have gotten better. For example, like my whole conversation about Flighty with the people in Orlando was came from just talking about the United app and how good the United app is now and how it's basically tracking you through the airport. Uh, it's telling you wherever you are, where you have to go, how long it's going to take you to walk there. And it's tied in real time on the boarding too, where some of the, their competitors, I think American still does this and where it'll just say boarding at the time and everything else. But the United app is actually tied into the IT system. So the minute that they start boarding at the gate, it actually sends the notification to the app. And Flighty works, works in the same way. So I just think tech in general has gotten better. And there's so many better tools, whether it be the native apps for the airlines or, or everything else. I mean, there's so many great ways to track everything. Definitely. The tech is better, but that's also why we have AI scammer calls so you know we take the good with the bad you know we're on we're on both sides of tech today yeah and those ai scammer calls i mean yeah it was just the tip of the iceberg ai is fun stuff this isn't about like it's the end of the world it's just i don't think people have really fathomed how ai is going to change every aspect of our lives because it's gonna change every aspect because it will infiltrate everything we do all the time it already is so of course, this isn't a tech podcast, so there's plenty of those with experts that can talk about that. So how about we just close this out, Joe, by you telling people where they can uh, find you when they're not listening to this fine podcast. You can find me at As a Joe Flies all over social media. If you're looking to book a Disney vacation or a cruise with cash, uh, you can email me, Joseph Chung at travelmation.net, and I'll be happy to help you out. What about you, Sean? At Miles to Memories all over social media. I am on Joe, formerly known as Twitter but everywhere else as well. We have our Vegas YouTube show, youtube.com forward slash miles to memories. And then everything we do post podcast videos at miles to memories.com. Quick shout out in the new year to all of our diamond Patreon subscribers. The group is closed. We're full. Thanks to everybody who signed up in the last couple of weeks. As we had mentioned, there were some slots, but we're full. So hopefully we'll open up some more slots at some point, but thanks to everybody who supports the show and looking forward to a great new 2024 with some fun stuff that we have planned. And thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you next time. See ya.